Welcome, everybody, to the Crikey Cast. And this is the podcast for the difference. I'm going in on the Crikey album that came out a few days ago. And Crikey is uh, Yikes, aged 10 years. So I've gone back into every tune, into the multi-track projects, and applied a better pair of ears and a kind of uh, better brain, really, to the mix sounds. They're not as loud, but they're a lot more detailed. So anyway, this podcast, I am joined by Elsa Esmeralda, who has very kindly sent in a load of... um, kind of thoughts of hers about the writing process and about each uh, each song that we got together and also you've been very kind you the listeners have been very kind to send in uh, questions so you are in effect interviewing me okay right let's get stuck in Kitty Green says, is there ever an end date in sight for when you decided to step back for good? Or will you always make music? That is a really good question, Kitty. Um, I will always make music. Always. But I can... I can use this opportunity just to tell you and tell everyone. Um, I am stepping back from the writing of hospital records for so many reasons my job is done there and after 25 years I really need for the sake of my spirit and my soul I need a new challenge so uh, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna gather all my creative energies together and apply those to my musical journey. Now, I will obviously always be involved in Hospital Records as an artist and as a shareholder, but the day-to-day runnings, no. I've described it recently to someone, they said, why? And I said, well, for the last five years, it's felt like I've been on the most amazing hamster wheel in the world and uh, very stressful because the the release schedule is huge and there's so much product going out and I can having done every single job in the company and then delegated everything apart from artwork I'm crap at artwork Chris Goss is brilliant at that Um. I just realised that I was actually, believe it or not, getting bored. Not content to rest on my laurels. Anyway, that's the answer to uh, to, to your shout, Kitty. Um, but let's see what else has got to say, shall we? I'd like to say something about what it's like to write with Tony. For me, it's been the best writing school I could ever have wished for. I hadn't really had much 
official training in songwriting and believe it or not I really didn't think that I was able to write songs even though I'd managed to write a couple already what but he uh, the fact that he listened to what I came up with and was interested and uh, encouraged me has meant the world to me um, oh. it really made a huge difference for me in terms of how I looked upon myself bless you Elsa so thank you Tony writing together has been a, a great experience it was so much fun it was really inspiring Oh, now Elsa, that's absolutely wicked. Elsa's going to comment on each tune. Um, and we're going to go on a journey through, I think, probably the first 10 or so tracks um, of Crikey. And uh, let's start with The Plan That Cannot Fail. Uh, have any of you asked anything about any of this? Let's see. Um, I've divided general questions and track-specific questions. Let's have a look. Okay, this is not going to be rushed, this podcast. Take your time, buckle in. It's going to be quite a, an in-depth documentary in a way. Um, so, the plan that cannot fail. Fred V says, When I hear the plan that cannot fail, I've always imagined it being played as a spaceship taking off, never to return, and all the crew members are looking back at Earth, feeling grateful for all their amazing memories, but knowing they can never return. Does this resonate with you? Or is your plan something completely different? That's a really interesting interpretation, Fred. I mean, I certainly went on an incredibly amazing journey making this tune. Someone else asked something that was quite relevant to this, actually. Ryan... Ryan Shell says, are there any moments during the production of Yikes or Crikey that stand out to you? Well, yeah, making making the plan was, a, it's quite a rare example where I totally hit the flow state as a composer and a producer. What you hear in this composition, I wasn't thinking about it at all. It just came out. And I think that's why it holds together so well. It's one of my best kind of like melodic and harmonic compositions, I think. Anyway, here's the plan that cannot fail.
And Christopher Snowball says, Tony, I think I remember you saying in a podcast at the time that the inspiration for the plan that cannot fail came up from the CBBC programme Rastamouse. Have I just made that up? No, you didn't. That's why I got the title. <laughs> Woo! Sorry. It's a bit dusty at this end of my studio. Yeah, Rastamouse. There was an episode called The Planet Cannot Fail. And that title just... I used to read that to the chairman when he was little. And that, that title just stuck with me. It's a brilliant title. And I mentioned earlier the flow state of composition. Um, for me, it doesn't come that often. And uh, tunes where I've definitely been in that position. Song in the key of knife. Fast old music. I'm hoping that if you couldn't be bothered, which I don't expect anyone to, to compare this to the the Yikes version, you can just hear like a bit more of the guitar themes. There's some really nice underlying guitar themes that I think I buried in the first version. Anyway, I'm perfectly happy for you to prefer the originals. That's okay. Completely understandable, to be honest. Flesh music now. This is a tune that I didn't nail the mix down at all, I don't think, in Yikes. Really enjoyed doing it this time around. Emmy, Emmy Lohan says, uh, or Johan, hey Tony, loving the rework. When you make a track, do you already have the name of it in mind, or do you name it based on how it sounds after, com- after it's complete? How does it make you feel? Um, this tune it just kind of when I was making it because the original version I didn't I hadn't found this sample yet for it so it was quite fortuitous when I was remaking it I thought yeah I just saw a 
basically saw like a room full of writhing bodies. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, but I did. Flesh. And my memories of making this tune. Almost a flow state situation because I don't know what, I wasn't trying to achieve anything and I don't before I start a tune. That's why sometimes they sound like they come out of nowhere because they always do. Because they're not made for the dance floor. So that's why this has got a kind of evolving, slightly strange structure. But I was really into Dead Mouse, his first album when I made this. And that, that synth, if you listen to it in isolation, it's very much inspired by Dead Mouse. So I guess I thought a collision of that with a sort of good looking y type of vibe felt good it's like a juxtaposition Now the next tune is Around the World in a Day, which um, I've uploaded the track breakdown of this, 
Um, I think it's on Hospital Records YouTube. I'll put it on mine as well. But, um, yeah, if you haven't watched that, then I can briefly tell you how it evolved. I actually started this in 1978 when I was 17. And I actually did a version that contains all of these compositional elements. And then I taught it to my first band, who were called Limbs in Action, at the beginning of the 80s when I was at college. And uh, I did a recording of it, and it's terrible. But it's there, and you can see that in the kind of uh, the track Ted on video. Hear it. And then finally, I kind of like got it to sound exactly how I wanted it to sound for Yikes. Well, actually, no, for Crikey, because I, di- I didn't nail it at all. I particularly didn't nail the drums. I didn't get enough space in it. But you'll hear that I've sort of sorted that out now. Um, but meanwhile, let's, uh, let's see if there's any questions. Um, in fact, let's... Oh, yeah. Here we go. Alex Teddy Bear Waddleton. Good name. Uh, how did you discover Elsa Esmeralda? Her vocals are stunning. And why isn't she famous because of it? Well, I failed in that respect. She should be famous, obviously. Go on, Elsa. Um, I discovered her when she was doing vocals for Swell Session. I think she was about 17 years old and they came over and did a show in Notting Hill. And it was when... In the early days of hospital, when Chris and I were really into broken beat and kind of new jazz as well, and they, they came from that kind of jazz camp, and uh, I was really blown away by Elsa's vocals then, and wanted an excuse to work with her, um, and just one second was that excuse. So I won't go into that, because that tune's not on this album, uh, but there's a good story there, which you probably heard somewhere along the line. Let's hear from Elsa. Round the world in a day. So the lyrics go, going to the West. As I recall, that's got several different connotations for me, but it was inspired by the fact that during the time when it was written, I had a part-time job in a bar in Angel, and I would cycle there from Hackney. Towards Angel, you're going to the West. You're going towards the sunset. And on my bike, I was just feeling so euphoric cycling towards the sunset every evening to go to my bar shift. It was just a time of anticipation, of feeling really happy about life. It's a wild song. Music-wise, I think it's fascinating. I really dig it, not just because it's a good song in itself, but also because I'm super interested in the songs that we made that aren't clear-cut drum and bass tunes but more of a fusion between genres thank you elsa And here we go, Round the World in a Day featuring Elsa Esmeralda. And uh, that was news to me because I always thought, I don't know, in my head, and I, you know, I was 
obviously in the studio with Elsa when we recorded it and finished the lyrics and everything. But I always thought she was talking about a sort of Scandinavian exodus, like when the Vikings invaded the West. Because Elsa's Swedish, if you don't know. And uh, that's actually what I thought this was about. Sort of that and also music bringing Elsa to the West. But it wasn't. It was a bike ride in London. Massive shout to Kevin Sorker on drums. Absolutely nailed this remotely. And I've, Kevin, I've finally got the drum sound right and your performance was incredible. Check this out, everybody. Woo! God, I'd love to play this live.
get it now. It's all about flat hunting. Finally nailed that after so many decades. It's kind of uh, kind of weird. Like forty, no, thirty, uh, thirty-four years. It's taken to nail that tune. So uh, yeah, don't give up. If you've got an idea and you can't realise it, keep trying. If you know it's good in the first place, just yeah, you'll get there in the end. Okay, yikes! The title track for yikes. And I've added drums to the intro of this. It just sounds a whole lot better to me. It's one of my rare Amen tracks. So some slightly random shouts. Uh, Julian Lucian says, have you ever considered coming to Mexico? Um, I've always wanted to. It never happened. And one of the big changes in my life that's, uh, that's going to happen is... I'm not going to tour anymore. I'm 60 now, and I don't really want to behave like an 18-year-old anymore. My family needs me. I need my family. And I need my beauty sleep. And my tunes need me as well. Definitely got the dance floor weight of this now. I couldn't do it 10 years ago. But I've got it now. I'm pleased. I've done a teardown of this, which will be on my YouTube channel by the time you hear this. So, yeah, please subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm going to do a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, I think. There's a lot of musical stories that needs to be told. And Gabe Urbanovich, great surname, says, Yeah, I have a question. How do you keep your hair so majestic? I'm only at 45 and about 75% of the hair. It's really quite something. Well, I've got my dad to thank for that. And my mum. She's not bald either. Now my, my dad had a full head of hair when he passed away five years ago. And uh, Stekosaurus says, I really did get taken on a beautiful journey with the whole album. I went on a midnight skate, headphones in, Listen to every single tune. 
every single note and key. Thank you for this. Anyway, my question is, what is the release and naming of this album meant to give tribute to? Besides the last 10 years flying by so quickly. I remember you saying on a podcast that you would never produce drum and bass again. Is that why it's a rework? It kind of is. I mean, I am going to produce drum and bass. Lots of it. Um, But after I finish building better worlds, it's safe to say, and if you've been following my socials, you probably know, I had a bit of a meltdown last year. And I couldn't even turn on my studio computer. It was like beyond writer's block. It really wasn't nice. And when I suddenly realised that this album's 10 years old, the Yikes is 10 years old, I just thought, well, this is amazing because I've actually archived all the tunes anyway so that I can reopen the projects. Why don't I go in and mix them down better, which is something I always wish I'd done. Now's the time to do it as a 10-year celebration. So really, I loved doing this. It gave me a chance... to kind of get back on my studio horse if you like uh, yeah it does smell a bit like a stable up here um, yeah it was brilliant actually absolutely brilliant and it enabled me to get all my Cubase sorted out new plugins plugins updated all of that that stuff I updated to Cubase 11 and I love it so yeah I'm now ready to do my first remix and also to start writing properly now. Quite exciting. And yeah, uh, Stecco, um, it's, it's really all about... Um, I remember when I did the remix album of Yikes, and afterwards I really wished I'd call it Crikey, because that would have been a better title. Anyway, this is called Crikey, which really follows on from Yikes. And obviously, I really called it Crikey, hoping that it would become quite popular in Australia. Visible Worlds. This is pretty much my favourite tune on the album along with The Planet Cannot Fail. Let's see what else has got to say about it. Invisible Worlds is really hard to sing. I can only blame myself because I wrote that melody, but it's really tough. It's got long notes, it's high pitch, 
I still really feel super heartbroken when I sing it. Oh. It's about when you feel you feel like you're trapped in the superficial dating game when you're really actually in love with someone and you're just stuck there having to think cynically about everything when you're really actually an emotional human being. Elsa, I had no idea. I always thought this was quite a sort of tie between cosmic and emotional and spiritual, which I do believe it is. Now, um, oh, I haven't got the name of the person who sent this shout in, but they said, Invisible Worlds is a trip. When I listen to it, my heart and my mind can't decide whether or not I feel melancholy, hopeful, empathetic, or just solitude. Yeah, that's how I feel, actually. And oh, how do I pronounce this name? Uh, El Silvador says, "How much of Yikes still resonates with you, with who you are today, given all the experiences that you've had since you wrote it? Can you now look back at the emotional parts from a much more comfortable place?" Well, that's a really, really good question. And yes, in 2021, having gone through so many difficult, difficult times in 2020, um, I can really appreciate this. And Invisible Worlds is definitely one of the most emotional parts for me. It's a tune that, be like Syncopated City Revisited. I can put it on and really enjoy it for what it is and not have to worry about, oh, I could have done that better. Now, I couldn't have done the original of Invisible Worlds at all better, but thankfully, what I put on the album is an amazing orchestral version by Lawrence Tolerance, um, which he started back in 2010. And finally, we've got it finished, and it is absolutely gorgeous. Let's have a listen to it. Beneath us explosions as we go So these are 
Lawrence Whitehead on orchestration, conducting, recording his orchestra. Absolutely beautiful treatment. Well done, Lawrence, and thank you so much. Um, so the next track on the album is Bells in My Head. 
which is an odd tune that I I don't think I did it justice when it came out on Yikes. It just wasn't feeling what I'd done, but now I've been able to really go inside the mix down and get happy with it. So um got a couple of questions about it and uh, a little comment from Elsa. Roger Berkeley, long time uh, listener to the podcast from the very beginning, uh, says the track is so nice, bells in my head. And my question is, why didn't it make it onto the vinyl at the time? Well, it was simply that I never, I was never happy at all with the mix down. I just didn't get it. And I've got it this time. So I really enjoyed working on this. It all just kind of came together like most of the album, really, uh, this time around. Um, and Greg Glover said, I purchased Yikes on CD and it had the original bells in my head on it. Yet, if I stream the album on Spotify, it's missing. What's the reason behind this? That was an absolute mistake by our, our digital department 10 years ago. It should have been on there. I didn't even realise. Actually, no, we weren't on Spotify 10 years ago. My guess is it was uploaded referring to the vinyl track list. Anyway, Greg says it's an awesome revisit of the track. Uh, let's hear what um, what Elsa's got to say about it. Where are you, Elsa? Bells in my head. This song has me so nostalgic for Billion Dollar Gravy and earlier house tracks with Eight. a really amazing soul diva doing the vocals. I've tried to do it justice. Oh, come on, Elsa. You did better than that. Does it really sound like a house track, though? That's interesting. Let's have a listen to the tune. Bells in my head featuring Elsa Esmeralda from Crikey. My name is London Electricity. I think I've finally kind of reached into the tune and really exposed and drawn out the kind of 1980s post-disco. I'll tell you what inspired this is that tune, Kissing With Confidence. If you don't know it, you should get to know it. It's awesome. And um, if you don't know, I wrote the lyrics to this. Um, it was all about me coming to terms with having tinnitus. The tinnitus is the bells in my head. And I learned to love my tinnitus because I knew it was going to be with me forever. I'm glad I did. And that's what Elsa's singing about.
Yep, I've got bells in my bed as well. As well as in my head. me leaving a nightclub with rushing sounds in my ears. Okay, got a few um, a few shouts for this tune. Electricity will keep me warm. First off, let's see what else has got to say about it. She says they're better than me. Electricity will keep me warm is a very sad breakup song. I wrote it with a broken heart, and I brought a very simple sketch of it to the very first recording session or writing session that I had with Tony for what was to become Yikes. I played it to him and surprisingly he started crying. I do that. I was really blown away. Uh, one, because I wasn't sure it was that good of a song or that it uh, communicated to somebody else other than me. Um, and two, um, the fact that he showed his emotions um, 
that really surprised me. And that made for a really personal and uh, beautiful set of writing sessions um, because I instantly felt like this is someone that I, when we write, um, I could relate to on a very personal level, regardless of um, age differences or uh, difference in background or whatever. Um, so that's a really beautiful memory. And I'm really happy that seems to have talked to a lot of people, the lyrics and the song. Oh, that's lovely, Elsa. You had a lot of heartbreaks, didn't you? Um, anyway, uh, Daniel Power, all the way from China, mainstay of drum and bass. Yes, Daniel. He says, um, how long did you spend making the Yikes album? I think probably a year and a half, which is fairly standard for me for an album. And he says, how much role did you play with lyric writing during this album? And what was the story you were trying to tell with this song? Well, actually, Elsa wrote the lyrics for this, as she said. And uh, the, the mix down originally for this was it was nice. It was really good, but I got the 808 too loud. And I remember it hitting the compressor when it was being mastered. And I was going, oh, no, I really should have sorted that out. Um, Marcelo DMB says when working on Crikin redoing all the mixing stuff how many times have you thought I could have done this and that differently and what things would you have done differently like adding other synths drum patterns or even rewrite a whole song well I'm sort of telling you as I go along like yeah with this one I just kind of it was pretty good but um, I knew I could actually improve it anyway have a listen decide for yourselves
And Rob Newman 666 asks, do you remember Brixton Academy when you launched the album and how loud it was? Uh, yes, that was amazing. And for those that weren't there, Elsa wheeled me on stage in a wheelchair uh, to a piano. And we had a, a little kind of like cassette player with the think break on it, mic'd up, played that. I started the piano and Elsa sang it and we were both in pyjamas. And then when this finished, I went from the piano to the decks with my Zimmer frame. Don't ask me why. Maybe I was uh, actually seeing what the future was going to be like for me. Because I've been on crutches for the last, uh, last, well, over the last few weeks, month or so. Nick Plain wrote in and said, I know you wanted to redo this album with a view to improving on the original, using your 10 years more production experience, but were there any tracks that you found particularly hard to improve, as the original was so good? Yeah, this one. Had a little fight. Now, I'm not sure if I've improved it, or if I've spoiled it, but this is my take in This was definitely a flow state production. I wasn't thinking at all when I made this. I was just, uh, as Hitchcock used to say, emoting.
And listening to it now, if I had to give you a reference point for this tune, I'd say, and it's very different musically, but emotionally it resonates with, for me, Moments in Love by Art of Noise. If you don't know that tune, get to know it. It's an absolute foundation tune for dance music, for electronic music. It's gorgeous. Keep hearing Degs over this now. Now check out the ending, because you don't normally get to the end in clubs, but I really like this ending. Check it out. this okay so Christy Roseblade Barg nice got some good names this time um, how is it that even though Yikes is 10 years old most of the originals feel so fresh and why do you feel the need to remix or remake some of the tracks when the originals are stonks in the first place not a question but sing meteorites no I'm not going to sing meteorites it is way too difficult. I'll leave that to Elsa. So Gaz DMB says, what is it about meteorites that you've never been keen on? Looking back on it now with 10 years sort of difference, I can appreciate it a lot more. At the time, this tune was definitely the most hard work. So the opposite of what I call a flow state tune where it just all comes spewing out. This 
required a hell of a lot of intellectual application, technical application, and uh, a lot of crowbars and shoehorns to actually get the mix working and to get the song working because it's quite an unusual song with unusual parts. But I think we got it and it's been really, really popular. I've always been a bit mean to it, I think. Um, C. Wally Takeo says, have you come to terms with how awesome Meteorites is? I remember you saying it was too cheesy. I think so. I think I have actually. I do feel very proud of it. And he says, uh, was there any point where you hit a block while producing the album and then broke through it? Or was it a smooth, creatively consistent process? Big up from Canada. We love you, Tony. Thank you very much. Uh, there's no album that's ever a smooth, creatively consistent process. You have kind of bits where it really flows and you're like, yeah, I'm smashing through this. And then you have times when you just listen to it all and you think, what, what, what was I doing when I wrote that? And you can't see it. So you have to wait until you can see it and feel it again before you do any more on it. So uh, it's a bumpy road. It's a roller coaster. And Aaron Arbiter says, what was it like witnessing Elsa fly through space like a meteorite? Well, she really took the concept and ran with it. Um, it's called Meteorites because the original sketch um, that I sent Elsa when she was still in Sweden was I wrote it during the Perseid meteor storm and my studio in Crystal Palace, like this one really, was in the top of my house and I was looking outside and I could see the old shooting star and I was like, yeah, I'll call it Meteor Shower. Let's see what Elsa says about it. Meteorites. I love the song Meteorites now, but I do remember it was a bit of a trek to get it all done. You're not kidding. It started with uh, Tony sending me a sketch uh, that he'd just named um, Meteor Showers. And I used that title and built a love song around it, uh, loosely based on someone I was seeing at the moment. And I remember my lyrics were quite dark initially. Um, they had sort of a completely different connotation. It wasn't really a love song, it was almost like a scary love song. A hate song. And we ended up putting a lot of uh, mutual effort into both the lyrics and the song. And obviously Tony put a lot of work into that production as well to make it into a pop song, a hit, something that would be uplifting on the dance floor. I'm really happy with it. You weren't heartbroken, Elsa. What's wrong? Okay, so let's listen to um, the updated version of Meteorites on Crikey featuring Elsa Esmeralda. And uh, if you were around 10 years ago, you would know that there was a version of this in Japanese language that was, uh, was made and released in Japan, and it became quite a big hit. Um, it was called London's Tokyo, and uh, even made it onto karaoke machines. Thank you. 
and I've done a full track teardown of this where for better or for worse I'll expose all of the parts who her misses Just a potato, that's how I hear that line. Sorry, Elsa. Kenny Tin Spider who made the incredible animation for meteorites. 
Track 10 is Love the Silence. And this is another tune that I didn't, I didn't nail, but I feel like I've really got into it for this one. Um, Aaron Kowalski Aston says, uh, I can't believe Yikes is 10 years old already. Uh, still one of my favorite albums. I love the track, Love the Silence. But what's the story behind the single male vocal at five minutes, 30 seconds? Keep up the, <laughs> the good work. Um, that is news to me, Aaron. Uh, I don't recall that at all. Anyway, uh, my memories of this, I think the actual song and the chords and the harmony and everything has got quite a Steely Dan influence. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the kind of journey of the tune that climaxes with uh, these wall of sound um, distorted guitars towards the end. Let's see what Elsa has to say about this, because I, for one, I remember the, the writing sessions of this, and it was quite interesting. Remember I had made a sketch on top of the loop that Tony had given me, and it basically had most of the song already on it, but I didn't think it was ready, and I was too afraid to show him. I sort of said, as I was walking out the door, we'd already done some other tune, but I was I was too afraid to show him this track. So I just said, oh yeah, but it's not ready. I have another sketch, but you, uh, it's, it's not for now. Uh, I don't know, it's probably nothing. Um, but he insisted I played it, and turned out he really loved it. So, yeah, another proof to me that I shouldn't be such a coward about showing my stuff to other people. I remember when we were brainstorming the kind of, I guess, concept or topic of this song. And what was in my mind was, in 2004, I did the Red Bull Music Academy in um, Cape Town. And there was a house party one night and we all went to it and it literally the floor the floor of the room that had the sound system in it everybody dancing I thought it was going to give way it was so packed there was no air really hot very claustrophobic and that was kind of the scene I set for Elsa and if you listen to her lyrics sure enough I said that's exactly what she interpreted, but she interpreted it in the context of a dream. Check it out.
dad rock moment. is fault lines and this was a tune this song that I wrote at the piano and I had this concept going around my head this idea of fault lines and how they apply to geography geology disaster destruction but also how they can appear in a relationship and while I was writing this at the piano I kept toying with two notes a semitone apart to represent the kind of discord and breaking of a fault line and then two notes that were 11 notes apart which is like a semitone plus an octave so toying between those two and that really is what evolved this this music and this harmony here so it resolves and the song, I wrote the song definitely in a, in a kind of flow situation because I wasn't even thinking, it just came out. And when lyrics come out like that, it's amazing. You suddenly feel like you are a half decent songwriter. So um, I wonder what else I thought about it because I just gave her the song and I said, you, you sing it. So she did. Fault Lines, it's another masterpiece of Tony's, uh, a ballad. Checks in the post. There's not much else to say. It's one of those songs that's really easy to sing because it just flows so naturally. Yeah, at the time, I remember Elsa, I remember you saying that it was really difficult to sing because you hadn't written it. Do you remember that? Probably not. Okay, um, so 
Here we go, Fault Lines featuring Elsa Esmeralda. And I think that's my last tune that I'm going to play from Crikey, which is Yikes, 10 years old. Here we go.
Okay, I hope you've um, hope you've enjoyed this journey through Crikey. Yikes, 10 years old with me and Elsa Esmeralda and you asking the questions. Um, I'm just going to wrap it up with a few words from Elsa and uh, from a couple of you. Um, Jeffy Bagram, uh, after all this time in the scene, Tony, what inspires you? Well, um, the unknown, surprises, and my eternal search for the perfect chord progression. That's what inspires me. The higher power of music. And Kev Rama says, Tony, your work and artistry is simply sublime. Oh, go on, another check in the post. When creating this album, do you draw any inspiration from anyone or anything in particular? Um, no. I mean, each track is inspired by all sorts of different things. Over to Elsa. So it's hard to sum up 10 years. I mean, it's a long time. I've been doing so many different things during these years. I've uh, worked with my own jewelry brand. I've taught silversmithing and goldsmithing. I've also taught music. I've worked with teenagers. I've made music with other people. I've written my own music and started making my own music productions. I nowadays am creating something that I call singer-songwriter futurism. Oh, I like the idea and of that. I'm really excited that I'm going to be releasing some new material later this year. So I urge you all to join me on that new adventure. I will see you soon. Yes, Elsa. I've got to say, Elsa, it's fantastic going through these tunes and just hearing how much work you put into this album and how much work we put in together. It was a real journey. And I just want to tell you how grateful I am that you trusted me to go on the journey with me. And... Um, <laughs> to anyone who's got this far into the podcast just to reiterate yes I am moving on from taking a kind of uh, a practical hand in hospital records but fear not I will probably do the occasional hospital podcast as a kind of guest presenter but I'm going to be doing my own podcasts so keep your eyes and ears peeled subscribe to my Instagram channel or my Facebook I'll be messaging about it when it's ready to go please subscribe to my YouTube channel because that's where they're going to be appearing as well as all of your favourite streaming outlets Anyway, I'm Tony Coleman, known as London Electricity. It's been an absolute pleasure. Across the last 25 years, and across the last 10 years, we've been focusing on. And the thing I'm most grateful for is you lot, for coming on this journey, 
with me, with Hospital, with all the amazing staff at Hospital. And the team at Hospital is really quite outstanding and I feel completely confident in handing over the baton. Otherwise, I wouldn't be handing it over. So keep following Hospital. You'll be in good hands for the future. I'm out of here. And I'll see you on my next podcast. Whoopie doo. What's it going to be like? Well, I'll have no editorial control uh, put on me so I can say whatever I want, which I'm looking forward to. Anyway, peace out. One love.